We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way, and I, 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 I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 1,419 days into 14 days to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Melissa from Cutting Through the Matrix. Melissa, it is once a fortnight. How are you? I'm well, Johnny. Thank you. How about you? I, I'm wonderful. If I felt any better, it wouldn't be legal. It's <laughs> it's that good. It's actually, it's kind of warm. So I'm, I'm happy about that. And there's been some sunshine. Usually in, in Europe this time of year, it's it's not very sunny. And it's it's a welcome change. It, it's nice to, to have some sunlight in the middle of winter. So that's, oh, that's been nice. Uh, yeah, two two days here of nice, warm, sunny weather. Mm -hmm. Very good, very good. Well, um, as I was asking you when you came in tonight, I said, have you guys uh, seceded from the union yet? <laughs> Being in the great state of Texas, uh, that is that is quite a debacle that's going on down there. And I, I told you, I cannot actually believe what I'm seeing. Uh, that's that's quite something. No, it's outrageous. I mean, the the point that I made about the secession idea the other day is that if you look at the this state and its government seceding, it's just like a little microcosm of federal government. There's so much corruption here. I mean, remember, it was just last year or er earlier this year that they impeached the attorney general. Yes, Kim Paxton, who, who, remember, yeah. yeah, and and this was found, you know, to be completely baseless. I think a lot of people knew from the beginning it was baseless. It was a political attack. It's just huge state level corruption. So you'd be seceding so that you could just be all by yourself in your corruption instead of a federation of corruption. The corruption, though, I, I know you were talking about Ken Paxton, but I get rubbed the wrong way with Abbott. Uh, he's isn't he a WEF guy? He's he's a World Economic Forum guy, isn't he? Oh, I'm sure he is. He's uh, I, he's more uh, international than federal, let alone state. Yeah, he's a player. Yeah, he's he's something. And when, when I when I see him taking these these steps, and I was I was mentioning this to you in, in soundcheck. I don't like what he's actually doing. And I know that, that some people are saying, oh, yes, give them a taste of their own medicine, send the, the migrants uh, further into the country, send them into the blue cities, and they're, they're becoming overwhelmed. But that's not actually remedying the problem. They're, they're keeping them in the cities, and they're still there. We need to be shipping them back out. We don't need to be sending them further in. And this is like this is not helping the problem at all. This is actually making it worse. But you know the the media is latching onto it like they're like it's some kind of a, a victory parade that needs to be taken. No. Well, I'm not defending him. I think that what he has done by busing and flying these migrants to different states is a publicity stunt. And it is not helpful of the problem. I think that's different than erecting razor wire and saying they can't come in at all, which is where they are now. Um, and something, you know, it's not a secure border. It hasn't been secure in a long time. And I just mentioned to you in soundcheck that the latest numbers of illegal migrants into the state was over 300,000 last month. And, you know, so, but I, I agree that his publicity stunt of sending these people to Ohio and Iowa and New Jersey, I mean, this is, this is not helpful. 
No, not not in the least. Sorry, I was just getting the um, I was getting the audio from from Joe Biden that I'm going to play here in a second. Uh, yeah, I know it's terrible. Uh, and I I was telling you also. I said I I look at what's going on down there. I see these videos. I, I see what's going on down there. And as much as I I hate to even give them credit, when you have the the Fox News people, they go down there and they do live reports. Are you going to tell me that what I'm seeing is not what I'm actually seeing? Is that is that what people like Mayorkas and, and Biden are actually saying? Oh, no, there's no problem at the border. Excuse me? Or Mayorkas will actually... I heard him come out and say uh, not long ago, they were asking him about the border. And he said, well, the border's closed. <laughs> what? Really? Like what? And, you know, the House is talking about doing uh, impeachments on this guy, but that's not going to do anything. That, that is not going to do anything. Not at all. Uh, but Biden, he said that uh, I, I've done all I can do, but give me more power and I can do more. Or, or something like that. I'm I'm not sure, but I will play the I'll play the clip of him now. Have you done everything you can do with executive authority? Or is there more you can do after the have done all I can do? Just give me the power. I've asked for the very day I got it off. Give me the border control. Give me the people. Give me the people, the judges. Give me the people who can stop this and make it work right. Give him the power and he can make it work. The Border Patrol actually has the power to stop it, but they're stopped from actually being able to stop it. The the Border Patrol, and I was mentioning to you earlier, I've actually seen cases where these Border Patrol officers are actually resigning. (laughs) Now that this has happened in Texas, they're resigning and they're joining the National Guard to work as consultants for them to actually do their jobs. Yeah, I've seen a longer form or a, a different setting in which Biden was asked about this. First of all, for two years, he has said that the border was not a problem. And now as it escalates and reaches more of a crisis point, he says things like, give me the power. I heard him say the other day that if he was given the power, he absolutely could do something. But it's certain Republicans who are not giving him authority because this bill is tied to aid to Ukraine. And this is true. So the Republicans are saying, we're not going to sign off on additional aid to Ukraine until this border situation is dealt with. But that just tells you the illogic and the ridiculousness and the complete unwieldiness of bills such as that, where you have domestic border policy tied to foreign aid. And these are the games that are played right in front of us so that there's a lot of hand-wringing. Well, we could do something. And it's like, well, hey, how about you have a bill that's just for border? If You know, in, in a real world, if this was all real, that's how you would proceed. And the other thing that I heard Biden say the other day is that I have, he said, I have authorized stopping people at the border or turning them away if it reaches the point where there are 10,000 or more illegals coming through each day. Um, right now, they're at a point, they were told, where it's closer to about 5,000 per day. But that's not true. I mean, if you can go by statistics, because the latest one that I read said that more than 300,000 illegals came across that border last month. So that's millions a year, millions, plural, a year. And it also made me think of, you know, there's that quote um, from, that Alan Watt was fond of repeating that was Jacques Attali, who was big in French government and the United Nations, who wrote a book, Winners and Losers, in the, the next millennium, I think was the full title of the book, but he said, the next boat people will be Americans fleeing the country looking for work. And I think what we're seeing right now certainly sets, it lays the groundwork for a scenario such as that, because all of our manufacturing has been offshored now for a, a long while. And then you have these undocumented illegal migrants flooding into the country. And, you know, I'm sad to say that that they will take jobs that other Americans won't take. Yes. And to that point, on to Governor Kathy Hochul of New York. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know. It's it's the same you response mean, every time. It's it's the, the, the woman the woman who's doing God's work. Yes, and she needs you to be her disciples because you're the smart one that went out and got vaccinated. Yeah, that, that's that, right. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Ugh. 
She has signed an order from her office where she is now considering relaxing qualifications for thousands of jobs to hire migrants to have legal work status in the U.S. Uh, they will take jobs such at well, hard to recruit entry level titles is what the actual order signs. It says Governor Hochul has prioritized modernizing, modernizing, hear this, modernizing, modernizing our state workforce and eliminating red tape. And she has instituted a series of reforms to achieve that goal. This is according to a spokesman from her office this afternoon. This initiative, which has not yet been implemented, would offer temporary employment opportunities there that are available for anyone who can legally work in the United States. These fields of work for the proposed temporary transitional jobs include care for the intellectually and developmentally disabled individuals, custodial work, food service, facilities repair, and clerical positions. That should make all the Republicans happy, shouldn't it? The ones that have all the service jobs. Yeah. So there you go. They're the ones that will take those jobs. Yes. Because the average American who's, you know, just entering the workforce, they're too busy glamorizing themselves with fake filters on, on TikTok or something. That's what they do. You know, that's what they do. They'll Or they'll they'll go out to a club or something, but they don't want to do these jobs. So, yeah. Oh, that's so funny. I saw um, just in scrolling around looking for something, you know, how one thing leads to another. And I stumbled onto, I don't remember her name, so I couldn't tell you. But she's, I do remember her age was early 20s, say 23, 24, a couple of years out of university. She's being touted as um, a Republican activist and a an, an Internet influencer who's espousing conservative values. And I mean, I, I'm sorry, you know, I don't want to sound like an old fogey, but the way these people dress nowadays, you know, we would have thought they were walking the streets. Yeah, they and... look like they just rolled out of bed, don't they? <laughs> they do. I, I was talking to somebody who went in to uh, teach a um, uh, like a like a, uh, a first aid course, like a CPR course to to school, like a school teaching staff. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is a former army uh, Green Beret who who went in there. Our army ranger went in to teach this. All of these kids walked in and they looked like what you're talking about, all disheveled and in sweat, sweatpants and and that kind oh, of stuff. Oh, no, 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 no. This this young woman. Was this something looked else? like? No, no. She looked like she rolled out of bed for hire. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> And I, you know, wow. I mean, I'm sorry, but, you know, with and she was doing her selfies. And so she is a, she's a Republican activist and an Internet influencer. So at the same time that she espouses conservative values and runs critique and analysis, you know, at what, 23 on the Republican Party, she's also telling conservative young women what color lipstick looks best with their skin tone. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. Is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't make up this kind of weird world that we live in. It reminds me of, you know, Idiocracy, the movie. I've said that a few times, but your, your news anchors all, you know, it got to the point over the progression of the film where eventually he's just topless giving you the headlines. He doesn't have a shirt on and she's, you know, barely dressed. And I mean, that's what we have now. What they have done, particularly in the United States, because in England and Great Britain, you always had your kind of page six idea, which then moved to the front page. So on the right hand side, you've got I mean, I'm not going to tell you what Alan called I, these women. I'm thinking of the but, Sun Papers, you know, page yeah, six yeah. girls, you know, yes. they're like scantily yeah. clad. Yeah. yeah. Well, now they're on the, like, places like the Daily Mail, they're right on the front page. Oh, it's, it's front page news today. It's yeah. front page I, news. It's, it is. It's ridiculous. So, But what you did not have that in the United States, you never had that kind of tabloid paper here. So what they've done with the internet is they've just moved the tabloid right out into the internet and into, you know, online news. And, and even to, you know, I watch, a, I'll pick up a little bit of Fox or CNN or, you know, just whatever, get your little weekly dose of propaganda. And that's what you have now. You have a idiocracy culture where people who look like they're just, you know, like I said, rolled out of bed for pay, they're delivering the serious news of the day. So sad. How can people buy into that is what I don't understand. I, I, I know I've talked about like turning point and stuff before, but like that's that's kind of like the um, 
Uh, that's like the nexus point for the the so-called Republican influencers now and, and Real America's Voice and all that stuff. And they've got all these these um, these new faces, these young faces that are coming in there. It's all like what you used to see on Fox many years ago. It's the, the bright lights and the whenever you had guys like Roger Ailes running Fox News, the only thing that I, I could see there were bright lights and like there was a leg shaking in front of you with, with like a high heel shoe on it. And that's that's what it was. That's that's what it was. It like this this morning show that they do, this this whatever it is, like the Fox Five or whatever it is. I feel like when I turn that on, I feel like I'm I'm demeaning myself, if that makes any sense. Well, you it, are. It does make sense. Can, I mean what what Alan would say about the the column of the scantily clad women is that what this does is it gives it puts the viewer in a state of schizophrenia because you're looking at the left hand and now when they blend it together and it is just in the form of the uh, analyst or the talking head or the anchor or whatever and it's the way they're dressed packeted packaged and put across what you have is the schizophrenia of what they're saying is they purport it's serious and that I should be listening and this affects my future, it affects my paycheck, it affects my family, but they look like something out of a pornographic movie. So you are in a state of total disconnect and you say that you, you know, feel, I, I can't remember the word you just used, but debased demeaned. or demeaned. demeaned. Yes. Like I'm demeaning it is demean- Yes, it is demeaning. It, it undercuts all seriousness and all gravity of real stories or, you know, who knows, they could be completely manufactured PR stories, but it undermines the seriousness of what they're talking about completely yeah. and makes it a circus. Yeah. And it's what's even worse now is I'm seeing a lot of these these younger influencers like you're talking about. They have their own clothing lines now promoting yes. this stuff. Yeah. And they're making like they're they're selling out of this stuff. They're making millions and millions off of this stuff. And I'm I'm thinking to myself and people are buying it, right? They're buying oh, yeah. like bracelets yeah. and hats and shirts and all kinds of stuff and I'm like how can you have so many people buy into this stuff? How, how can you, how, like, how is that even possible? They've turned this into, I've said it before, poli- it's political stardom, right? It, it's like political mm-hmm. celebrities. That, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's, political, it's a political celebrity reality show is what it is. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, something that does not line up with reality, if you need your daily dose of propaganda, I give you. Okay. Because the economy, the economy is doing so well, as we all know, uh, and you're insane, <laughs> If you think that the economy is not doing well, I give you CNN. Real story about the U.S. economy. Nobel Prize winner Paul Krugman lays out the dollars and cents for why Americans are wrong to feel so down about it. How's the economy doing? Well, there's the difference between how it looks and how it feels. Right. Actually, the economy's doing okay right now. If you actually take a step back, the U.S. economy is strong. The economy, by all objective measures, is doing pretty damn well. The economy has actually been incredibly strong. The Biden economy is great. Yes. How does it look? Uh, honestly, pretty damn fantastic. But will voters give President Biden credit for it? The question for Biden is, will voters give him credit? When we report on how great the economy is doing, what do you do you feel that? Why aren't voters giving President Biden credit? Americans don't seem to be giving him the credit. Why is that? And what does he have to do to turn that around? If people aren't paying attention to it, then it's very hard to go out and take credit. Voters don't like understand essentially or grasp that he's had these legislative wins. Most voters don't understand what you're trying to tell them. Are we going to get to the point where facts do not matter? And for the the economy example, people are going to feel the way that aligns with their political party. Republicans are never going to say the economy is good historically while there's a Democrat in office. If you ask them about the economy, they start looking at it through these partisan lenses and they tell themselves stories that are completely at odds with the reality. Nobody wants to give Joe Biden credit for what is really a remarkable situation with the economy. Why don't people give him credit? Well, I don't know. That's the American psyche right now. We're, we're in a bad sort of mood. Do you think there's an element you know, people just like being unhappy. Okay, insanity so on as display. it is insanity on display. I mean, I, I'll just give you my reaction to that sitting here watching it. First of all, what you had was a preponderance of strident, irritating voiced females giving you what is, you know, the news. That there's more 
of them than there are men. And the audience that's only going to hear this doesn't get to see that the men that were shown, for the most part, with a couple of exceptions, looked like clowns or buffoons. They, they, you know, had some kind of fake suntan cream spread on them or they were dressed in so that there's no seriousness or normalcy to the presentation. So the strident, authoritative female voice, the clownish male, um, Biden standing in front of four flags that contain the Star of David. What's that about? It really is a schizophrenic presentation, let alone to get to the content where we're told, don't believe your lying pocketbook when you check out at the grocery store and you've had to take out a second mortgage on your home to feed your family. Believe it when we tell you that the economy is doing really well and it's just that people are in a bad mood or they'd see it that way too. Every single time I see one of these people that are up there, up there on the television, I, I think I, I've said it before. They look like reanimated corpses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever you have, because the the makeup is just like it's 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 obvious. You can see where it's just like caked on, and they've got these these bright lights in front of them. And this passes for being informed, supposedly. Yes. And it's the the amount of propaganda that I see on a daily basis now is is beyond reproach. That is is actually mild in comparison to what I hear most days. That was yeah. that was pretty mild. That was just a compilation of just them talking about the economy. That's not everything else that they talk about. Oh. Well, I was gonna say you know that if you were to have an off air, off camera conversation with any one of those people they would be hard pressed to keep up with you in a conversation about even the propaganda because they're just reading a script. They've got a teleprompter. They have no context for what they're saying. They won't remember what they said to you today about how great the economy is next week, because next week they'll be telling you that something is safe and effective. And the week after that, you know, there is no they're there. They are puppets delivering propaganda. It's tragic that this isn't obvious to people. Well, we started with the border and we rolled into the, uh, the mainstream media. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's about as god awful as you can get, I think, on both fronts. Uh, shall we get into me being devil's advocate? Shall we get into the... The, yes. The yeah, yes. Okay. Right. I want you to tell us how good DARPA <laughs> is. I want yes, to hear. Of course. Yeah. All right. I and I and I I genuinely do <laughs> believe that technology can be used in a good way, but I don't trust these people as far as I can throw them and you know I I, <laughs> I just have to say this, Johnny. You've got the memory of an elephant and I would not want to get crosshairs with you. <laughs> <laughs> You are not the first person to tell me that. <laughs> right. So Elon Musk has, uh, with his company here, they have, uh, and I know you've, you've got an opinion on Musk, and so, so do I, and I don't think we differ too much on it, but uh, Elon Musk has implanted, well, he hasn't done it, but his company Neuralink uh, has implanted their first patient. Neuralink has implanted their first patient with the new, um, whatever, the brain chip or whatever it is. And it's been a success. And they're already seeing the results from it. So they're already getting the the readings from the synapses that are that are firing or whatever it does. I, I think it's something along those lines. But uh, they say that it's a, quote, significant step forward for the company that aims to one day let humans control computers with their minds. Oh, I really don't like this. I, I understand the benefits. Again, I'm <laughs> going to play devil's advocate, Ryan, I'm, but I'm doing it. Can you, t- can you tell I'm doing it reluctantly. It's in like I'm. I'm really. I really don't like this. But I see the, the like the true benefits of it. But again, I I don't like where it's going. Not at all. I I really don't. I I truly do not. And I I showed you uh, when we uh, a small clip of uh, another company that actually is working in cybernetics. And I I really do think that that is a you know a fantastic advancement that will help people that have you know lost a limb or, or something like that. But I think this, on top of that, would make what we saw even more efficient, if you will. I know people that have some problems, and it's not of their own choosing. They were they were born that way. And if this could reverse some of that or whatever, if it could if it could give someone the ability to hear 
or give somebody the ability to see without having any kind of surgical procedure other than this, then I can see a benefit to that. But again, you know, I, at, at the same time, I say it reluctantly because where do we stop with it? Well, it's uh, the the PR on this that has come out from DARPA and there are other institutions, but DARPA is, is the biggest one. And the public relations is always that this Department of Advanced Research, what's the rest of it? Defense uh, uh, agency I, projects, I, yeah. Yeah. So I I mean, so so this is really kind of a branch of the Pentagon. It is military industrial. And the PR that we get is that this is for our benefit and that the whole reason that they are involved in this kind of research is so that they can help people use a computer just through their own brainwave power. But it makes me think, because I've been reading Carol Quigley's Tragedy and Hope, and there is a section in there at the beginning where he is talking about the history of weaponry down through time. And it hasn't been a linear progression necessarily, but he, you know, in a nutshell, he said, when you have affordable weaponry that is relatively easy to use, then you have generally have citizen armies, what you might call militia or, you know, armies that are drawn from the population. And when you have weaponry that is expensive, that is complicated to use, that requires a lot of training, um, then you tend to have very small, often mercenary armies. And when you are in a situation where you have advanced weaponry and a mercenary army, you have moved yourself pretty far away from democracy as a working situation that you're being run by. Now, he goes way back in time. And obviously, you know, there there were times when the weaponry was amateur and the armies were from citizens and you still did not have democracy. So I don't want to belabor that. But when you are looking at something like DARPA that specializes ultimately in weaponry. What is really the purpose? You just have to ask the question, what is the real purpose of an implantable neural link connecting the human brain to a computer? Well, in that sense, what if we could connect the human brain, just speaking hypothetically, of course, this is not possible yet. I say yet. <laughs> but if we're going this way, then I could see it as a real possibility. And, and I'm sure that they probably already have it on the drawing board or they've already researched it. Connecting a neural interface to, say, a fighter pilot or drone pilot. Absolutely. As an example. As an example. Absolutely. Or a tank, you know, a tank driver. You, you wouldn't need a tank operator or a tank crew, for that matter, to be in the actual vehicle. They could be somewhere else. Yeah. Or, or you, could, you could have that interface react as a fighter pilot, for example, or as a drone pilot. You could have that equipment react faster than any computer could actually do the calculations other than a human brain, if that makes yeah. sense. It does. And, uh, you know, so you're, I I mean, I know that you have read a lot of um, military documents and think tank white papers, and the universal soldier is not a fictional idea. We're we're seeing robotics used with troops. Uh, So, so I I think this is actually further along and there, there's also something, and it might've even been you that was telling me this, but in certain fighter jets, they have real time participation of both the pilot and the plane with the terrain that they're flying over. And this is high level computation. I haven't really looked into it and I don't understand it, but this is, this is a communication of a pilot with his plane. And if they're that far along in the the equipment that they're using, well, first of all, I can't do that. <laughs> you know, this. that's true. But I mean, this is the argument that I've made with with Bruce before. You can't do that. That's that's interesting. OK, what if you mm-hmm. could? You can't do it. But what if you could? What if you could turn that same device, that same implant into a, a receptor where you could have that information and that knowledge downloaded into you? 
Well, the youngsters are going to go for this like candy. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, they'll There's probably have no booths set up in the shopping mall to put, yeah. the, you know, to shoehorn these things in there. No, I mean, this has been, this has been marketed. I mean, just think about the Matrix movies and those are 25 years old now, the first one. And the downloading of software into your mind that allows you to, you know, whatever, do Kung Fu, you know, that idea has been marketed to young people for a long time. They will go for this, you, you know. I, I do enough looking online and taking the pulse, if you will, and you look at the comment section and people are very high on the idea of chipping. You go to Sweden where this has already been done. They love it. It's ease. It's convenience. You look at that neural link. It's the size of a quarter that has been implanted into this human skull. And that has always kind of made me laugh because I just don't think we're there. If you take the technology that they're using now to get into a nightclub in Ibiza that is smaller than a grain of white rice, but gives that bouncer at the door all of the information that he needs to decide if he's going to let you in or not, you're telling me that the Neuralink has to be the size of a quarter and twice the depth of a grain of salt, you know? I mean, it's big. Yeah, it's big. And it's thicker than that, too. Yeah, so. it, it is thicker than that. I'm holding a quarter in my hand. And it's mm -hmm. it's a, um, yeah, I, I I expect it to get smaller, though. I, I do expect Oh, I, ex I expect it already is. You, uh, yeah, well, there's that, too. We were talking about the... Uh, <laughs> but then again, the Johnny, I don't expect DARPA to be my friend. No, so. no, of course not. But they're there to help you. They're there <laughs> yeah. to be your friend and make things more convenient for you. Yeah. Have you ever seen the Bruce Willis movie, Surrogates? Yes, I've seen that uh, two or three times. Okay. Yeah. Not that it's a great movie, but no, well, I like yeah, sci-fi. <laughs> yeah, of course. But okay, let's look at that concept. There again, with the advancement in robotics that we're seeing, how far are we away from that? Because you could use the same concept, the same neural interface. If you're doing it with vehicles or you know fighter jets or, or whatever, why couldn't you do it with robotics? You could. Well, I think you could. And I mean, I, I, I think that this gets you into the whole conversation of futurist societies and the three levels of science. You showed me before we started recording some pretty advanced robotics. There was a, a young woman there who was missing her left arm. She was obviously right handed, but you still, you know, yeah, there, there that is. And what she could do with this robotic hand and, and forearm is really quite impressive. And the comment that I made to you is, if they're showing us this level of robotics, I think that they're much further along than what we're seeing. And, you know, also rather cynically, I say, are we given Elon Musk's out of control robot that leaves a trail of blood I, I mean, I, sometimes I think stories like this are planted in the media almost as a calming kind of sedative thing. Oh, they're not that far along, are they? You know, I think they're much further along in robotics than, than we are given to know at our level. And to give you an idea, this is the Tesla robot. So Elon Musk's uh, Tesla robot. This is one that they're testing now. Have you seen this yet? This is the Optimus. I have not, no. You have not. Okay, this is just Well, I've seen a little clip of it, but I have not seen this clip where he's actually folding a piece of fabric. And yes, the, this is... This is what they're they're proposing now. Uh, of course, it's very it's very slow. This is the first phase of it, but this is what they propose that could replace, say, for example, like uh, Amazon factory workers or something, or or people that work in uh, in clothing shops or, or assembly lines or something. This can now be done by these. Well, I'm seeing a nanny there. I think that could change a baby's diaper. I think so, too, if you give it the right software update. But at the same time, there could also be a trail of blood leaving from behind. Yeah. Yeah. So it's I get the um, like I'm getting the uh, the iRobot vibe. Is that what you're getting when when you see that? At least you know, the, the beginning phases of it. Well, I abs absolutely. And one of the things that is important to think about in terms of robotics and even something like the movie Surrogates is that 
it's not just the convenience or the automation or the fact that, you know, okay, well, granted, they're going to take jobs away, but uh, Elon Musk tells us that we're going to be able to use all that time to learn Latin or whatever. So it's not just that, but it is the way in which the iRobot part is the way in which this concept is being humanized not just in fiction, but the trial balloon stories that have come out about the new sex worker, the robot sex worker. So this is giving it a, a, a human element. I mean, you're absolutely going into the primal center of the brain there, and you are putting a face on a primal instinct that is the face of a robot. So yeah, I mean, the the key thing with iRobot is the humanization of technology. So do we end up like a future with what uh, Noah Harari says? What are we going to do with all these useless people? Because you're not going to have people in the workforce. You're you're not going to have people that are, they're not going to be producing anything. Uh, Harari even said, and I believe it's outlined in his book, where he says that the only solution that people like him could come up with would be a combination of drugs and computer games to keep people occupied. I mean, you're mm -hmm. already you're already seeing, and and I I brought this point up last week uh, on on a podcast. You're already seeing the first that because of artificial intelligence, which is actually it's funny in and of itself because it's not actually artificial intelligence. It's an algorithm that's programmed by a person with a bias. That's not actually its own consciousness, but that's beside the point. You're already seeing, for example, artificial intelligence attorneys, and they're already winning cases, defense attorneys, and the prosecution side, they're already winning cases. So attorneys, I mean, of course, I think the world could do with a few less attorneys, you know, don't, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but they're already winning cases. I give the attorney, I don't know, five years. If we continue on this road, I give them five years and they'll all be out of work. People that have like accounting jobs. And I would say that I agree with the statement that was put forth by um, a person at the World Economic Forum. Anyone that's middle management in the next five to 10 years, you're doomed. You're finished. Mm -hmm. And that mm -hmm. that if they're if they're getting rid of middle management, they're getting rid of everybody below that. Mm -hmm. So what are we going to do with everybody? How does that work? Where, where do we go? Do we do we learn Latin like Elon Musk is talking about? Or do we do the wholesale getting rid of everybody like Klaus Schwab and those lackeys wanted to? <laughs> I don't see a very promising future, if you know what I mean, for people as far as development and, and opportunity for themselves. Well, I, I think, again, it goes back into weaponry and technology is or can be a form of weaponry. And it has been since it's been more than a hundred years now since the average person has had access to the same kinds of technology or weaponry that our governments have had access to. So we're on a completely different level of reality as a result of that. And I don't want to be gloomy doomy here, but when you look at where we are and where we appear to be headed, I mean, Noel Harari asks the question, what do we do with all of these people? And we have lived through the last four years where we've seen what they actually do to those people. So I think it's naive and, and a bit of having your head buried in the sand if you think that they're going to let us learn Latin or spend our days playing video games. That is what you call a useless eater. That, the UN says, the ideal citizen is a consumer and a producer. And someone who's playing video games all day long is not a producer. We have reached that pivotal point, And I think it's a question for those who are paying attention, what do we do? Because the the youngsters who want to have a grain of rice put under their skin so they can get into a nightclub without having a wallet, they're doomed. Yeah, uh, there, there is, like I said, I, I believe it's a dead end. Uh, it's a dead end road. There is there is no future in that. You know, there's something else. And, and I, I mentioned it to you that uh, I mentioned it to you earlier, the ones that are not going to take these jobs, you know, you go, go back into the, um, uh, the youngsters. I saw something today, or actually, it was yesterday. And Bruce and I are going to talk a little bit about this tomorrow. Uh, because I think it is like the, the next level of, of just ridiculous stuff. People like to take pictures, right? Everybody has a camera on their phone, right? So everybody takes mm -hmm. pictures. Mm -hmm. I saw something on one of the new 
Google phones. These cameras that come on these phones, they're actually, I mean, they're, they're starting to get pretty good, but it's, the camera is only as good as the actual software that it's paired with. The new Samsung phone, the new handset for Samsung is $1,300. That's what it's retailing for. It's crazy. Yeah, if you can believe that. $1,300 for a smartphone. But it's got all of this stuff in it, right? All this AI stuff in it. The new Google handset... I was watching a, a promo video. It was just one of those ads that just rolls and you, you know, you kind of have to watch it like on YouTube or something. If you're, you know, an ad pops up and I, mm -hmm. had, to, I had to sit through it. You can now take pictures of people. So like family members or whatever, you know, wife and kids, whatever. And the father sitting there holding the camera. If you don't like the facial expressions on each one of those people in the photo, you can now use the AI algorithm in the camera software and you can change the faces of everybody that's in that photo. You can change their facial expressions, their eye look, everything. Mm -hmm. What is the point of any of this? We're literally marketing a false reality to people in real time. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, the trouble is, is that for people of a certain age or a certain generation or a certain mindset, there is a discomfort and that's why uh, we've got to go, right? <laughs> There's a, yes, there's, yes, a dis yeah. there's a distaste, there's discomfort with what you're seeing. There is enough wisdom and maturity to understand where this is going. But to um, a younger person who has grown up in a world that has been by design a fictional presentation, it's that thing I wish that I could remember right off the top of my head who Alan was quoting, but I can't. But he, you know, it was that, that you would reach a point where people could no longer distinguish fact from fiction. And we are there. We're there. I notice even people my age who have been watching high definition television since it came out and uh, upgrading and adapting that when they see an old movie or they see something analog, they, they almost can't bear to watch it. And that's an older person because their eyeballs, their, their, their brain has been trained. That's not high definition. I need, and what high definition is, is hyper real, hyper reality, where it almost brings the background to the foreground. It's, it does not see reality the way that your eyes and the camera of your eyes process visual information. So you have now people who's, uh, and I think, frankly, that this rewires the brain because there's anything. Let's say, for instance, learning Latin. You're going to lay down grooves in the gray matter and you're going to keep laying those down. It's, it's learning any skill or any language or anything like that. You're going over the same tracks in your brain over and over and over and your brain is learning that way, but it's also laying down the track. And I think that the that this is why the firewall of your mind and the information that you take it in, in and the way in which you take it in is so important because you are rewiring your brain. You are helping those who want to bring us into a different iteration, human 3.0 or wherever we are now. You're actively participating in that. I have to be honest. I have never heard of what you just said, where somebody actually gets... Um distraught, I guess, for lack of a better term, because they they don't recognize the image that they've that they've now been accustomed to. If if it reverts, I've not seen that before. I, I've no? never heard of anybody doing. It. No, no. Well, of course, I don't hang around too many people that watch television all the time. <laughs> so <laughs> there is that. You know, I, I've got televisions, but they're the biggest dust collectors that I've ever had. So it's, I, I don't I don't actually use them. Um, no, I, I I have been around people my age and older who. When they are forced to look at something that's not being delivered in the highest definition, they complain. Wow. That's I don't even notice it. I mean, I, I, I frankly, I don't know. I could, you know, it. That. <laughs> I would notice if I, I suppose. All right. So let's put it in a different context. I would notice if that book was not printed on the right kind of paper. That's to my liking, if that makes any sense. So like that would change. Uh, because there are some books that are printed on like acid paper and you know how it withers over time. Uh -huh. So yeah, the, I would notice that, but I guess that's not quite the same, is it? Well, I, I mean, all technology affects the way that you learn and process information. And a book is a 
you know, the product of technology. So what if, okay, so let's look at this in another context. What if that technology was just suddenly removed from these people? The ones that are angry when something changes in, in a minute fashion like that. What if it was just removed? What if it was no longer an option? So all these people are talking about the technological future and everything. Okay, what if that doesn't happen? I mean, last week we were talking about uh, the possible collapse of you know civilization of East and West. That's my opinion. I mm-hmm. challenge anybody to go and, and do their own research and look up all that stuff. But I'm basing what I believe on what you're reading at the moment, actually. If we're looking at collapse, I don't see a technological revolution taking place, not in the in the sense that we we actually understand it. In order to do all of this, you're going to need more electricity than what we currently generate, and we're headed down the wind and solar road. So that's not going to work. I, I don't see the actual digital future that they want. I don't see that actually taking hold and, and staying, if you will. Well, I, I have never lived through the peak point of a civili- civilization collapse. So I can only speculate. I mean, we can look around and say that certain structures of society are crumbling, um, that we that we have societal decay, et cetera, et cetera. But as far as civilization collapse, I don't know. But if when people would just press Alan for, okay, well, what's going to happen and what would turn this around? What would turn this around? There were times when he said, what would turn this around or move it in a different direction would be some kind of cataclysm or natural disaster that had not been anticipated, planned for, and prepared for by these elite who have worked intergenerationally to put things into play. That's what it would take, would be the big unknown that they had not prepared for. Then you might be talking about the actual civilization collapse that you are thinking about, which would be beautiful <laughs> in a way, because it, it, seriously, because it would. then it would you get might get rid of all this other stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, I mean, then there might be a chance for people who came through. Um, there, reorganize. there might be a chance. Yeah. Yes, in to reorganize in a way that was completely outside the grasp of an intergenerational cabal or oligarchy, if you will. But if we're talking about the kinds of civilization collapse that we read about in a history book. And what would people do then? I have a feeling, just guessing here or proposing an idea, is that at the same time, a major civilization, Western civilization, for instance, is collapsing. That first of all, that process, unless you've got nuclear war or something, is going to take probably hundreds of years, not dozens of years. So we don't get to see it. Only future people would look back on it. But at the same time a civilization is collapsing, a new one is rising up. If you look at history, you're going to see that happening. Does that new civilization have anything that borrows technologically or materially from the collapsing civilization? I don't know. But I don't think in looking at history that there has ever been a time when there wasn't something coming up at the same time that something else was going down. Well, an but example of that. I don't think what's coming up is, <laughs> I don't think it's Blu-ray and high def. No, you know? no, it's, it's certainly not that. <laughs> um, an example of that would be when classical civilization collapsed and you had the birth of Western civilization. It was, as Quigley described it, it was, it was shattered, I think is the term that he used. And we ended up with things in an abstract form. So we have pieces of, of what it used to be, but we had Christianity take over. It was coming online as you had the Roman Empire just disappearing. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, you know, I mean, we won't be here to see that, I don't think. So... No, I, I do. I do agree. I think it'll it'll take time. But I believe that we're in the, the beginning stages of it now. We're in the process of seeing it because everything everything lines up as in yeah. as, you know, as, as civilization tracks. We are coming down on the final few minutes here. Uh, do you have anything else you want to discuss today? Oh, well, that'll probably satisfy my 
Okay. It'll satisfy you for two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Satisfy you for two weeks. Would you like to tell us a little bit about what you've been working on on the website and what you've got coming up, your latest podcast and and all the rest of it? Uh, Sure. Um, The Redux, as always, featuring an older talk from Alan uh, every Sunday. There is a relatively new clip series, excerpt series. These are quite short. And I think that... This one that just went up called Masonic Fingers is number three in that series. Uh, The Controller series is also uh, got a new one that is Carl Jung, The Undiscovered Self. I had a really interesting conversation with Malcolm from England last week on Real History, and he made some excellent points One of the things that really stood out for me was his own observation with group dynamics in the kind of grassroots protest world. But um, it was interesting overall conversation for me. And the one that is going up tomorrow was also a very interesting conversation. This is the second time I've spoken with Osman, who is living in Somalia. He was the son of a diplomat, a career diplomat in Somalia, lived most of his life in England and has returned to Africa. And he brought up some very interesting points on developments in Africa. And this would tie into what we see going on with the Houthis and Yemen and hegemony between the US and Russia and China and what's at stake there. And so that it was a great conversation. Thanks for asking. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing that one, uh, as well as the uh, the read up Masonic fingers. You say? Yeah, yeah. All right. And the, All right. these I'm are great. Curious. Those are good short little clips that um, they're they're attention grabbing. The titles. I didn't do these. A listener has done this series, and I'm quite pleased with it. I think they've done a good job. Okay. Very well. See you in two weeks. Yes. Yes, thank you. Right. That was fast. That was really fast. These things sometimes they go really quick, and other times they don't. But that was a uh, that was a quick conversation night. But it was an absolute pleasure as always. I will see you in two weeks again. That is Melissa from CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. I encourage all of our listeners to get over there and take a look at the treasure trove of information that she and the other curators work to maintain the life collected works of the late great Alan Watt. Again, that is Melissa from CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, and her podcast is Real History with Melissa. That is available everywhere you get your podcasts. Thank you for being here today, Melissa. Thank you to all of the listeners. God bless everyone and have a great evening. 